We're going to look at John chapter 5, John chapter 5 and verse 39. While you're turning, I'd like to say it's a, a real privilege to be here. Now, and I thank Pastor for allowing me the privilege to come. I'm, I'm usually in small churches, the smallest church I've ever been in. Uh, there was uh, four of us, counting me, uh, that was the pastor, Pastor Turner, and then his dear wife, Chris, and then there was one dear uh, lady, a member of the church, and uh, they said, would you come back? That's not a very good financially, uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll be more than happy to come back. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I don't, uh, when God stops supplying, Brother Stevens gets to go home. Uh, I don't care if that's heaven or back in Florida with my dear wife either. Uh, I know she would appreciate it would be better if I stayed for her. Uh, Debbie's not here. She traveled with me for 10 years. Uh, I've been married 39 years. And so y'all can do the math in a minute when you get some more figures. And so uh, it's been 39 years. And uh, she was traveling with me uh, most always until uh, she went in for a a gallbladder surgery, which was to take an hour and a half. And they cut her one of her aortas going to her heart, and so she bled out on the operating table. They opened her up 18 and a half inches to stop the bleeding, but the damage has already been done. Uh, the lack of oxygen and uh, the life is in the blood, and because of the blood leaving the body, uh, parts begin to die. And so it's been four and a half years. Four and a half years. Four and a half long years. She's no longer in the wheelchair. She's not in the walker. Uh, she's walking, she's talking, and she's feeding herself and uh, able to do the necessary things, which we praise the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It was, uh, it's, uh, God, you can't improve upon God's plan. Well, uh, so that's where see, she's in Florida, still recovering. It may, 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 you folks may have me back one time, again someday. And uh, it may be through your prayers that God will hear your cry for my wife, Debbie, and she'd be with me too. And so I'll just put you folks on that too. He, uh, he answers prayer, and you folks seem to, uh, you, you, you're sold on prayer. That's, that's a lost art among the people of God today, and that's uh, uh, praying. But I was born physically in the city of Belfont, Kentucky, March 23, 1957. At the age of 10, my family moved to Florida. Uh, where I grew up in a home not centered upon God, nor the Word of God. Uh, I lived my life not seeking God, and there was no desire to know the Son of God. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. No, not one. I had no desire to know God. It was not until my dad died. It often seems to take a tragedy uh, uh, in the life of someone to get their attention, but it was the, the tragic uh, death of my daddy at 72, that I began to realize the brevity of life, the shortness of life, and I thought, 72 years and then death, there's got to be more to life than that. As an unsaved man, I knew I did not come from a big bang or a little bang. I did not come from the ocean floor or swing from trees. As an unsaved man, I that just did not, that's a religion in itself, and I just couldn't but as an unsaved man, I, I saw Moses and, uh, and the burning bush and on TV. And, and so that's about all I knew about God. And uh, so my daughter, uh, she went to church. Some people came knocking on my door. Some kind of like you folks, I'm sure you go out and knock on doors. Well, someone like you came to my door 
and they wanted me to come to church. I said, I'm not interested in going to church. Leave me alone. But maybe you want my daughter. Maybe my daughter. She was three years old. My daughter was three years old when someone took an interest in her, took her to church, and uh, they wanted to know if uh, we were interested in what we are teaching your daughter. And that may be a help to you. If you get the little one, go back. And they... I said, no, I, it's God is good, you know, I, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I knew, I didn't know him personally, but uh, he knew me. And uh, so, uh, but I knew there was something missing uh, in my life and, and I wasn't interested and I wasn't reared in a Christian home, as I say. And so, so they asked my wife, I said, ask Debbie, my wife is Debbie, if she is interested in what they're teaching. And uh, girls, uh, well, that's a mother. A mother wants to know what's going on. And so they got her. Oh. <laughs> In three months, oh man, she, I, there was, she was a new creature. I mean, things began to change. She began to change the way she would talk, the way she dressed, the way she did her hair. She, I mean, things began to change. And I said, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. That way too much change going on. Way too much change. I mean, eight and a half years. See, I was eight and a half years later. She experienced new birth at 22. I didn't get on board to age 30. And I was not interested in any of that. And so you can imagine... I finally, I said, you can't go to church. You spend more time at church than you, with the preacher than you do with Brother Stevens. <laughs> Mr. Stevens, you know, at the time, I said, stop it. And she was obedient, and uh, she came home, and then uh, it was, and, and she would pray, and uh, they wanted to be back in church. But God uses circumstances, and there was, uh, she was going to be, my daughter was going to be placed in a public school that I you don't want to go to that. And even an unsaved man, I knew I didn't want my girl in that church and in that school. And so anyway, so I said, you can't go to that school. And my daughter and wife said, do you know that church you won't let us go to? I said, uh-huh, they have a Christian school. I said, oh. We tried the homeschool. Homeschool, I've learned the wife has got to be physically strong and well-disciplined. If you're not physically strong and well-disciplined, you're probably heading for trouble. Somebody got to be well-disciplined, and you probably, I don't know how y'all do it, but I found it, you got to be well-disciplined and physically strong in order to do that. Well, Debbie was not up to that. I was busy. I was a workaholic. I had no time for God. I had no time for no one. But, you know, that's the way my life was, and so... We let her go to church and next uh, school. And uh, first year she was in uh, school there, they had a revival meeting. And there was an evangelist come in that day. His name was Ron Comfort. He said, uh, and my, since my daddy died, it's in October, he died on October 22nd, 87. Well, it was, I was grieved over his death, and it was not until November 22nd, 87, that I came to the church service. My ch- only th- uh, that's only the second time I'd ever been in church. And, uh, and he said, there's somebody out there looking for a friend tonight. You've lost your dad. You've lost a mother, a son, or a daughter, and you are grieving tonight. And you are looking for something. <laughs> I said, Debbie, you've been talking to the preacher. You know, still trying to... She said, I didn't say, you know. And I've, my wife has nothing to gain by lying to me. And so I began to listen to this guy, and he began to tell me what Christ did. And uh, I could find a friend that would never leave me. And November 22nd, 1987, at the age of 30, I found a friend like no other friend. He did something that no other friend could do. He changed my life completely. I didn't get a 45 or a 90 or a 360. No, Brother Stevens got a 180. 
everything changed. Everything. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That happened the moment of my conversion. Yeah. God saw fit to take two-thirds of my vocabulary away. Uh, I was, it was a, not a very good vocabulary I had. Being in the Navy and various things like that. And so God did something again that no other friend could do. He said, let me take something away from you. And he took that. And that's 25 years ago. I can smash my thumb and say, ouch. People would call me on the phone after the new birth. They said, Norman, is that you? It's Norman. Don't sound like Norman. I know, I was in church last night. Yes, I saw myself a sinner in need of a Savior. I could not save myself. I accepted what Jesus did. And he took two-thirds of my vocabulary away. And I don't know where it went. That was, 20, that was, that was, that was different. <laughs> Whoa, that was... But you know what, you folks, you know, if you, uh, I am so great for your testimony that you, that you don't have that the world. I have 30 years in my mind that uh, I have to battle with. Uh, it, does, it didn't take everything away, but uh, the battleground is in the mind. And uh, the world's going to do everything it can to influence your thinking. The devil's going to do everything he can to mess up your thinking. And uh, the world, the, the, the world's going to do everything it can to influence your thinking and your flesh is going to do everything it can to uh, possess your thinking. So I've learned that the battleground is in the mind. So I'll memorize Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, he said, Norm, I'll put my name in there. Don't get mad. Just put your name in there too. Finally, Norm, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, son, I want you from this point forward to think on these kinds of things. I said, I don't think so. No, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> see, I experienced a new birth. I just thought you were supposed to obey. I said, see, I got something. I, I, I obey, obey. So, uh, so anyway, he, he saved me. Eighth grade education, making straight F through school. I made an F in art. But I was not interested. I can draw anything I look at. God gave me the ability to do that. I had my own sign business, own commercial artist and all. And, but, uh, but I was not interested in what the teachers had to say or teach. My mother was an alcoholic. Uh, my mother lived on vodka and orange juice. Uh, my dad, when I was 12, said, I'm not going to live with an alcoholic. And so he left. But remember this. I had no choice in the family in which I was born. That was the sovereign act of God. And I, uh, I honor my parents because God handpicked my parents. And uh, by the way, he's never made one mistake. God never fails. He never owed any man an apology. And so it's choices that we make. Uh, you know, if you lose your anger, if you, you, and you, you, I mean, you, your anger and your temper goes wild. Don't blame that on your upbringing. Bring that on, bring, bring, uh, blame that on King's sin. <laughs> King's sin. That's another message in itself. But anyway, so uh, shortly after my conversion, eighth grade education, making after school, I'd never read a book before in my life. I could not pronounce the word therefore at age 30. And uh, I'm sure some of you folks can do a lot better than that. Well, I called my wife, God come and he preached. She says, I don't think so. She says, you can't read. I said, well, I don't think that's a prerequisite there. I just, uh, 
I mean, now I wouldn't have said that because I didn't, can't even spell it. But anyway, I just, uh, I just knew God called me to preach, and uh, and I'd have to, I'd have to plug in uh, tapes, uh, Scorby or Scoby or Scorby tapes, and just keep. I wore out three cassettes, old complete sets, before I realized you could take them and keep a set and just wear that one out. But anyway, so. Uh, but God called me to preach, and they wouldn't let me in Bible college. At 35 years old, I, I see I had to go back and get me a GED. Uh, it took me three years. I had to learn to read, and and so it, and now three and so it was five years later. I, I missed that thing three times. I mean, I, the way I'd take a test, I'd say, okay, it must be the third one. I'd write the third one out there. Okay, oh that one hurts, so it must be number two. <laughs> Uh, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. But anyway, that's that's the and and then I tried. I said, well, I'll fill in all the blanks. So I just filled them all in. <laughs> that didn't work either. So I think they felt sorry for Bo Stevens, uh, Mr. Stevens, at that time, and said, oh, well, again, no, I was born again. I, they felt sorry. It was it was just a, it was the regular school system, and and they tried to help me in the best they could, and I think they just passed me. And so then I get to Ambassador Baptist College. I get my house in order. Get my family in order, and, and now I try to love my wife as Christ loved the church and be the dad that I'm supposed to be in the home with God's power and try to be the father all to be in the home. That's a, uh. So now, uh, uh, you say, uh, so that was five years, and then, then, then I went to college, and then they stuck me in, uh, they gave me an entrance exam, and they wouldn't let me in college without taking an entrance exam, and oh, I knew I was in trouble. I said, can you help me? <laughs> and she said, what word is that, Mr. Stevens? I said, and, A-N-D. What part of speech is it? And I said, huh? Huh? What part of speech is it? I said, I didn't know parts have speeches or speeches have parts. What you talking about? And uh, conjunction, I did not know. Why, you should, why not? Well, no one taught me. And so, hey, be grateful. you got somebody going to teach you. And so... I said, ma'am, I, at 35, I don't know what a noun is, an adjective, adverb, and I've never diagrammed a sentence before. She said, I can help you, Brother Stevens. Stuck me in eighth grade English. Then she realized that I was not ready for eighth grade English. At 35 years old, they took me back to third grade English. Uh, Mrs. Betty Bond, uh, she said, Norman, you are not ready for eighth grade English. Uh, she said, let me take you to third grade English. And three, four hours a day, three, four days a week, she tried to help me learn my bean verbs and help me to diagram sentences. I said, ma'am, I wish you took me back to preschool. <laughs> Praise God. I never got my phonics. I never got the phonics, and so I still, that's, I have a hard time with that. And, uh, but uh, God is, uh, I am what I am by the grace of God. And, uh, and uh, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And, and so then they stuck me in speed reading at, at age 35. I'm up to 138 words a minute from zero <laughs> to 138 words a minute in uh, five years. And then they gave me a comprehension test. I said, what's that? They wanted to see if I was comprehending anything. <laughs> I said, you want me to think and read at the same time? <laughs> Norman never done that before. I guarantee you, he ain't never done that. So uh, my comprehension rate was less than 35%. Yes. But by the time I finished that class... Uh, I was reading over 500 words a minute, and now I'm comprehending over 85% of that which God wants well, I take in. And I and just you have not because you ask not. Is God, if you've learned anything, you've got to give God the credit. 
And I just did not know. Someone taught me you're supposed to ask questions. I said, why you read? I mean, do it all at the same time? Never done that before. And so who and what and where and why and how? And so that changed everything. And then so I graduated. I aced my Greek. Uh, graduated on May 3rd, 96 with a Bachelor of Biblical Studies degree. I majored in the Bible and in evangelism. I minored in pastoral theology and missions, lacking two classes, having three majors in four years with a 4.0. I said that not for applause. And I said that to say that what God has done for me, He can do for any Christian on the planet. Romans 2.11, God made it very clear I am not a respect of persons. And so if you thought God would give you everything you asked for, uh, you would rarely stop the act of asking. And so when God saved me, he took two-thirds of my vocabulary away. I didn't know him very well. And I'm going to share with you in a few minutes. Uh, I know him better now than I knew him 25 years ago. So when he saved me 25 years ago, I heard about this prophet who took a rock and stuck it under his head for a pillow. I thought, well... That must be, this is going to be a lot better than that rock. And I said, Lord, you saved me. And you took two-thirds of my vocabulary away. And I said, I want to read this book. But I figured it'd take too long. And I figured if you just go ahead and put something up there, you know. And so I took it to bed. And I laid like this here. I said, it sure be nice you put something back. I woke up the next morning. Well, Norman, you as dumb as you was when you went to bed. I'm a little slow, but I, when I get it, I got it. You know what I'm saying? I, I thought that was, a, I, I didn't think God loved me. He didn't connect all my wires. And I'll share with you in a minute, all the wires, all my wires didn't get connected. He just, I thought he was, but he was doing me a favor. I just didn't know it. I'll tell you. What. So anyway, I opened this thing up like this here. I opened it up and I said, Lord, let me help you. As if he really, I didn't know him that well. I figured he just needed help. He couldn't get through that thick cover. I didn't know nothing about God. I tell you, I didn't know nothing. But I figured he could do that. And I said, well, flip something back. And I went to bed that night. Woke up the next morning. <laughs> you as dumb as you was when you went to bed. Uh, did you quit? No, I didn't quit. <laughs> Let me tell you what happened. I opened that book. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the secret. Spirit of God, teach me truth. He, he won't do for you what you could do for yourself and won't do because you have no character. I mean, that would have been too easy. He says, you want, that's the easy way, Norm. No, you've got to discipline yourself. Oh, you know, God will not physically pick you up, throw you into your chair and open the Bible and say, read that. You know that? You know that, right? If you don't have enough discipline and character to do that, you won't do it for you. However, um, if you'll get up tomorrow, open the book and say, Spirit of God, teach me truth. Because James 4.2 says, you have not because. You ask not. That's the reason you have not. No asking going on. He'll meet you in that moment of discipline and probably you do his will. Zechariah 4.6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And so, anyway, that kind of gives you a background, something about what, and then from that point, and I graduated May 3rd, 96, and from that point forward, Debbie and I, we went out in the ministry, and we've not, uh, we've, we've been going forward ever since. We've already made a commitment, and uh, we're going to follow Christ. Mark 8, 34, Jesus says, whosoever will, come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's a decision, and, uh, 
And so we made that decision. John chapter 5, verse 39. I don't want to keep you any longer than I have to. And John chapter 5, verse 39. Uh, I'd like to bring a message entitled, I have entitled, Practice His Presence. Practice His Presence. I have so much to share. I'm trying to put 25 years, and I'm shooting you way on up. 25 years in... 30 minutes or less, and it's not possible. I hope one day I come back again and we'll have an opportunity to share even more with you. But if you will take this challenge today to practice His presence, it will lead to a constant Christ awareness. Now, that's totally different. But I'm going to share with you, practice His presence, and then if you will make that decision to practice His presence, it will lead to a constant Christ awareness and whoo-hoo, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm nowhere close to all to be. No, I'm nowhere close to what God wants me to be. Now, all my wires did not get connected. By that, I mean this. I see things as a seven-year-old. I don't see things. I'm 56 years old. So don't try to do the math on when I got married. <laughs> yeah. So... uh I see things differently. I don't see things as a 56-year-old. For example, what's my favorite color? What? Pretty good, isn't it? Did you know that? Yeah, he knows that. What's my favorite jelly? Wow, something wrong with that. Well, he's going, well, you got here, Pastor. How does he do that? You know why he knows that? Because we spent time together earlier. We spend time together. And I shared with him some things. How do you get to know me? You've got to spend time with me. How do you get to know God like no other Christian on the planet? As a child of God, you've got to spend time with Him like no other Christian on the planet. Now, you can do that. It's available for every child of God. But we tend to have things to get in the way. A job, career, hobby, sports... TV, video games, big house, downsize, stop the overtime at work. Boy, when I preached like that, oh, people, oh, but you're still young. You can get it. Oh, it's usually the nine-year-old to get it. Well, anyway, I was trying to share with this, this concept with, some, with this one church, and in Sunday school, the folks knew my favorite color. And in the morning service, I said something like this. What's my favorite color? Well, the people in Sunday school were like Evan. He said, they said green <laughs> and grape. And everybody looked like, huh? What's he talking about? And then I went to this young man. Well, it was one young, it was an older, elderly man. He was sitting up here. And I said, what did you hear? He said, you're an evangelist. You love money. The reason you like green is you, is a, you just love money. Hmm. Well, that was, now that was interesting. You see, because we perceive, we hear something different. And then I went to this other gentleman, so they really, I said, what did you hear? He says, you a John Deere tractor man. You love the John Deere tractor. You a John Deere tractor. Hmm. And then that intrigued me, and I went to one other fellow, and I said, what did you hear? He said, you a Green Bay Packer fan. You a cheese head. You a Green Bay Packer man. I thought, wow. And then I went over to that little old... There's a little, there's a little boy right over there. I said, son, how old are you? He said, I'm seven. I said, well, what did you hear? He said, your favorite color is green. And you love grape jelly. I said, I said hey, how come you folks didn't hear what he heard? 
Isn't that amazing? Resentment. I go, definition, resentment. <laughs> see? What see? What resentment. What does that mean? Huh? 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 See? We, we 56 years old, and we got it all figured out. We know how things work. People lie, people cheat, and we just don't take it like a little seven-year-old. Amen? I hope it'll be a help to you. So that's why I, I thought it was God didn't like me. I found He loves me. I am so thankful He didn't connect all my wires. <laughs> Glory! And so, I just take it God at His Word, and so that's been a blessing to me, and I hope it'll be the same to you. It is the will of God. You want to know His will for your life? It is the will of God that you so walk with the Master every day. Not just on Sunday and Wednesday, young people. You walk with Him. Walk with Him like no other Christian on the planet. It is the will of God that you so walk with Jesus every day that your heart will burn within you as He talks to you and while He opens to you the Word of God. Well, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, God met Adam and Eve and, and in the cool of the day walked and talked with them. Micah 6, 8 says, it, the whole duty of man is to walk up close with God. How close do you want to get to God? Are you content to live on God's foot? Or do you want to get real close to God? Do you want to get to know Him like no other? Oh, you know, makes you nervous, don't it? Yeah, no, not everybody wants to get that close to God, Evan. But you can. Draw nine to God, He'll draw nine to you. Get to know Him. Most of God's people like to stay on the foot. Five-year-old girl, eight-year-old girl jumping up and down under bed. They're looking for the garage door to open. They know when the garage door opens, Dad will soon be in the front door. So they're playing on the bed. The eight-year-old, don't be doing that. No jumping on the bed. I've got to put that in there because don't be coming back at me. I was, I, never mind. Don't be jumping up and down on the bed. Got that? But these two girls, they were jumping up and down on the bed. They were waiting for their garage door. You'd be surprised what kids hear. You know what I'm saying? Don't do it. So anyway, these two were jumping up and down on the bed, having a good time, and the eight-year-old shoved her five-year-old sister off the far side of the bed. They both heard the garage door open. Forgot to say that. They heard the garage door open. They knew Dad was home. And the eight-year-old girl wanted to be first, so she shoved her sister off the bed. Now, she jumped off the bed, opened the bedroom door, ran down the stairs. Dad walked in the front door. She slid across that hardwood floor, caught hold of Daddy's leg, <laughs> sat down on Dad's foot. That's where most of God's children are today. They choose to live on the foot of God. Stop. Come on. There's so much more to the Christian life. Well, by this time, the five-year-old girl picked herself from the bedroom floor, made her way out the bedroom and down the stairs, and she began to make her way toward Daddy. Her eight-year-old sister looked back at her five-year-old sister and said very brashly, See, I have all there is of Daddy. As she made her way to her, as the five-year-old made her way to Daddy, Daddy now bent over and picked up his daughter, and they embraced each other, and Daddy wiped away her tears, and now she's going to respond to her sister who says, I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a Christian. Yes, you may be saved. You may be born again. <laughs> you see. But look up here. Daddy has all there is of me. She says, see, I have all there is of Daddy. I have all. Yeah. But look up here. Daddy has all there is of me. Question. Does Jesus have all there is of you? What are you holding on to? God knows how to get what the child of God is trying to keep from him. Now, you'll learn that the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> Please don't go the hard way. Please don't do that. I'm trying to help you. God knows how to get 
what the Christian is trying to keep from him. And so, let me ask you something. What is it that will cause your heart to burn within? Here it is. The Word of God taught by Jesus Christ Himself. That will cause any Christian's heart to burn within. That will cause your heart to burn within. Many of God's children don't know what that's like. They don't know what it is like to walk, talk, and fellowship with Jesus Christ every day and have their heart burn within as He reveals Himself to you. And that's, this is practice as presence, which will lead you to a constant Christ awareness. We'll notice two things. Number one, the Bible is a book about Jesus. Number two, the Bible teaches you about His presence. Lord, help me quickly now convey something of Your Word. I want to be a blessing and a help and encouragement to these young people. Mom and Dad, Pastor too, his dear wife. Oh, and the, maybe there's some visitors. I don't know the folks here that well, but I do want to be a, an encouragement and a great help. I pray that you might do something. Open the hearts and the minds of your people that we might walk like no other generation before us. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Notice, number one, the Bible is a book about Jesus Christ. In John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus simply says, Do something for me. Search the Scriptures. Hmm. Did you know that's something you've got to do on purpose? Search the Scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And remember, he never told you something that you could not do. We need to start calling God the truth and calling the flesh the liar. We need to look at the word of God and say that it is the truth and look at how I feel and say it is a lie. He never told you something that you could not do. Be ye holy for I am holy. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you of all malice. And then he, he said, stop your complaining. <laughs> Philippians 2.14 Do all things without murmurings and disputing. So he never told you something that you could not do, right? Still thinking on it. But it's the truth. That ought to help you grow. That'll help you grow. If you practice his presence, and I'll share with you how that'll help you. So, uh, the Bible is a book about Jesus Christ. Search the Scriptures, for in them me think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify in me. Well, so, what was the Lord saying? He's simply saying this. Everything in the Bible is about me. The Bible's not a book about history. The Bible's not a book about Israel. It is not a book about David. The Bible's not a book about Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. The Bible is all about the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior and friend. In Genesis, He's the Creator and the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Lamb of God for sinners slain. In Leviticus, he is our perfect high priest. In Numbers, he is the star out of Jacob. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he's the messenger of Jehovah. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the despised and rejected king. In Kings and Chronicles, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. In Ezra, he's the teaching priest. In Nehemiah, he is the builder of the work. In Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our risen, returning redeemer. In Psalms, he is the great shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's the forgotten wise man. In Song of Solomon, he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. In Isaiah, he is our suffering substitute. In Jeremiah, he's the Lord our righteousness. In Lamentations, he's the man of sorrows. In Ezekiel, he's sitting upon the throne. In Daniel, he's the smiting stone. In Hosea, he's David's great king. In Joel, he is the Lord of bounty. In Amos, he's the rescue of Israel. In Obadiah, he's the deliverer about Zion. In Jonah, he's the buried and risen Savior. In Micah, he's the everlasting God. In Nahum, he's our stronghold in a day of wrath. In Habakkuk, he's the anchor of our faith. In Zephaniah, he's the midst of judgment and cleansing. In Haggai, he's the smitten shepherd. In Zechariah, he's the branch. In Malachi, (laughs) 
He's the son of righteousness. And don't you see, your heart ought to burn within you as he talks to you. And while he opens to you his word. In Matthew, he is the king of the Jews. In Mark, he's the servant. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is our ascended Lord. In Romans, he's the Lord our righteous. In First and Second Corinthians, he is a resurrection. In Galatians, he's the seed of Abraham. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he's the supplier of every need. In Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is the returning Lord. In First and Second Timothy, he is God manifest in the flesh. In Titus, he is truth. In Philemon, he's the savior of slaves. In Hebrews, he is our high priest. In James, he's the judge that stands before the door in first and second Peter he's the chief shepherd in first second and third John he is our advocate in Jude he is our security in Revelation he is the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star and brothers and sisters your heart ought to burn within you as you walk talk and fellowship with Jesus Christ and as the son of God talks back to you through his word and through the spirit of God living in you if you can get past complaining and grieve the Holy Spirit. Right. <laughs> Never told you something you could not do. I'm just saying 25 years later, you ought not be complaining like a first grader. You see what I'm saying? As you've been toured, 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You'll, and you'll get it. <laughs> just, don't, just stay in it. Don't quit. We need some young people like you. Come on, get in the fight. Let's go on. Okay, the Bible talks about a fire that burned within Jeremiah's heart. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, the Bible says, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. So what was Jeremiah saying? He's simply saying this. Listen, when I open my heart to <laughs> TV, no, when I open my heart to the Green Bay, no, Vikings, no. When I open my heart to the word of God, no, God's word got into my heart and it set a fire within my soul and it burned within you can count on it. Anytime the Lord Jesus Christ meets with you and opens to you this book, I'm a, the Word of God, it is going to cause your heart to burn within. Let me ask you something. Can that happen to you today, Evan? Can that happen to you? Huh? Mike, huh? Yes, it could happen to you today. Have you ever thought about living in the days of Jesus? Brother Stevens has. Just think you could have heard the sermons that he preached. You could have heard the parables that he spoke. You could have witnessed the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000. I mean to tell you, you could have heard him. You could have talked to him. You could have walked with him. And the Son of God could have talked back to you. I've learned something. We're not shortchanged in the 21st century. Listen, you can walk with God if you want to. You can talk to God. You can fellowship the Son of God. And Jesus can talk back to you through His Word and through the Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. And by the way, it is His will that you so walk with the Master every day that your heart burn within you as He talks to you and while He opens to you His Word. And so that's the uh, number one, but now it gets better. That's just merely kind of introduction kind of thing. There's so much more that can be said. But notice number two, practice His presence. The Bible teaches you about the presence of God. His presence is real. God's people still trying to figure out who created the heaven and the earth. <laughs> if they come from among you. Hey, no, in Genesis, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I mean, come on. See? See, seven-year-old got that. He's not trying to... A 36-year-old, 56-year-old trying to figure out where he came from. Even a Christian do that. But they're not in the book. 
Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And so what we try to do, we go from 1 to 444, and we've missed all this foundational truth. And they're still up there, all these great guys, brainy heads. They're trying to figure out all this. And I had one person come up to me and say, well, did, the, uh, did all the animals, were they able to speak before the curse? See, they way up there. And I just, why don't you practice let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you? <laughs> Won't you work on that? Forget about who did all the. Uh, anyway, you'll figure it out. You got to. They're smarter than you know. Kids are really good. That's, they came, that's the one that respond the most. <laughs> John 14, verse 18. Jesus said it this way. This is the way Jesus told me. I'll not leave you. <laughs> well, Jesus cannot lie, right? You know that, right? God cannot lie. And so he told me, I'll never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what? Remember, November 22nd, 87, at the age of 30, I found what? A friend. I found a friend. Joshua 1, 9. He said, have not I commanded thee, Norm. That's me. Put your name. Don't get mad at me. Have not I commanded thee, Norm. Be strong and courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee at Kmart. What? Not at Kmart too. Walmart too. Oh, speeding too? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get in a checkout counter, you know, you got 15, and there's always, you know, you got 15 of them, there's only one person there, and you got a whole line, and all you. <laughs> okay, who indwells you? That's not a trick question. If you're saved, born again, you got the indwelling holy. Say it like you might mean it, <laughs> okay? Say so you're still trying to figure out if he's real or not. Yeah. You got the indwelling Holy Spirit now. And you say, if I kept that up, you folks would just finally go, Norman, shut up! You got it? You see how that'll change you? Stop your complaining. Never told you something you could not do. We have ceased to be the salt and light that God has intended us to be. You have to see that. The ills of society, society are sweeping in and taking over. And if we don't do something soon, man, come on. It starts with a decision. By God's grace, from this point forward, I'm going to stop my complaining because God never told me something I could not do. And depend upon the Holy Spirit to enable you to do that. You see that? The Holy Spirit of God do that through you. So... That was free. That wasn't even in this. So, <laughs> Okay. So, I'll not leave you. He's the word comfort. In John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus said that this way, I'll not leave you comfortless. Uh, I will come to you. Now, the word comfortless is not the usual word for comfort. It is literally the word orphan. So, what was the Son of God saying? He's simply saying this. I will not leave you an orphan, son. I will come to you. Jesus Christ is not in the flesh in this room. That's true. Jesus, you ain't hiding in here, are you? Jesus! He's not over there. Let me see. He can get kind of small if he wants to. Huh? He goes, nope, he's not kind of here. No. Hmm. So, Jesus Christ is not in the flesh in this room. Yes or no? You're still trying to figure out Jesus in the flesh? I mean, have you touched him? Have you beheld him? Do you see him? 
So Jesus Christ is not in the flesh in this room, right? Amen. But folks, Jesus Christ is as much in this room as if he were in the flesh. That is right. Uh, that's if you believe that book. <laughs> Maybe you're not got there yet. Yeah, you understand this, that, you know, uh, uh, you see what I'm saying? People are still, I did this in Bible college. They have four years, and they're still trying to figure out if Jesus is in the auditorium. If he, you know what I'm saying? They didn't, I don't even think they realize that Christ liveth in us. <laughs> yeah. Except on Friday. Yeah. Say, got your attention now. Yeah, he's there on Friday too. I just throw that in there and get people to shake them up a little bit and see if you're listening. So, Jesus Christ is not in the flesh in this room. That's true, but Jesus Christ is as much in this room as if he were in the flesh. That's right. If you folks believe the Bible, you realize the fact that fellowship with the Son of God is on a spiritual plane anyway. Did you know that you can have just as real a fellowship with Jesus Christ as did Peter, James, or John? Because his presence, folks, is just as real today as it was some 2,000 years ago. In Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I don't know how he does it. See, I'm not that smart. I simply take God at his word. He told me in his word, where two or three are gathered, and we gathered together in his name, he said, there I am in the midst. I don't know how he does it, but Jesus Christ is in this very room. Don't you believe that? You're still trying to figure out if it's true. Don't you believe that Jesus Christ himself and the person of the Holy Spirit of God indwells your very body? I hope you believe that. Galatians 2.20. Was it saying Galatians 2.20? You know that. I am crucified with what? You know that, young girl. I know you girls. You old enough to know that. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but... Oh, no, that's just religious talk. What are you talking about? What do you mean Christ liveth in me? Uh, What are you trying to tell me? Huh? Was that just religious talk? Or does he mean that Jesus Christ literally indwells you? Folks, if Jesus Christ indwells you, and he does, if you're saved, I'm telling you, his presence can be real to you. You can walk in the presence of Jesus Christ every day. You can, every, you can walk every day in the presence of the Lord in your life, and He can open to you the Word of God as surely as He did to His disciples some 2,000 years ago. Only two times in the Word of God is a man called a friend of God. Abraham is called God's friend. I'll kind of speed it up. <clears throat> Always time to quit. Y'all going to have to call, 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 call me back, huh? Y'all still, okay. you got probably got a long way to go. I got two hours yet tonight, so but I'm in no hurry. I guarantee you I'm in no hurry. <laughs> he told me, okay, okay. Only two, uh, you thought I, you didn't know a southern boy can talk this fast. Yeah, it's going to go oh double time. I, I triple time. Only two times the word of God is man called a friend of God. Abraham called God's friend. James chapter two verse twenty three, and he was called a friend of God. <laughs> Moses is called God's friend. Exodus chapter thirty three verse eleven. And the Lord said, and the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, the man speaketh unto his friend. Uh, now, you can read in the Word of God that God talked to Moses and Moses talked to God. Moses worshipped in His presence. Moses dwelt in His presence. Wow! That must have been exciting, don't you think? To walk with God, to talk to God, to fellowship with the Son of God and have Him talk back to you. Don't you want that? Don't you want to walk with God? Don't you want to talk to <laughs> Don't you want to talk to God? I, I say, they usually don't never forget it. <laughs> don't you want to walk with God? 
Don't you want to talk to God? Don't you want to fellowship the Son of God? Don't you want that? Amen. Whosoever will. Not every child of God wills. But whosoever wills to come after me. By my side. Huh? Huh? Well, it's a decision. Come, walk with me. By my side, as my friend, as my companion. You're still thinking about it, huh? Hey, see? What if you stayed in a chair, man? Walk with me. By my side, as my friend, as my companion. And when I tell you to jump, jump. Jump. Amen. Go sit back down. Amen. It is that simple. As you walk, as you choose to walk with the Master, and He talks to you through His Word, through the Spirit of God, you are to obey Him. You are to do what He says, go where He wants you to go. If you will bring your life in total submission to Him, then you will discover what the Christian life is all about. But not every child of God chooses to live that sort of life. There's four reasons why. I don't have time to go on that. Four reasons why God's people will not walk with the Son of God. Four reasons why. But, do you want to, don't you want that? Don't you want to walk with God? Praise the Lord. Did you know that if Jesus were to come into this room and start speaking, He would not say one more word than what is revealed in the Word of God? In other words, we have everything Jesus Christ would say to us if He were speaking by His voice anyhow. We have it right here written down in the Bible. And the presence of God in your life is as real as the presence of God with Moses. Do you folks remember the story of the men on the road to Emmaus? Double time. <laughs> in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, He said, Did not our heart burn within us while He, Jesus, talked with us by the wind while He opened to us the Scriptures? Can that be said of you today? Do you walk with Jesus Christ? Do you practice His presence? Do you realize the fact that tonight, tonight you are in the presence of God? And God is in your presence? Now, that'll change the way you, the way you fellowship in the church and the way, you, I mean, no more bubble gum underneath the seat, no more trash on the floor, Jesus in the room. It'll change the way you, uh, you know, clean your house and the way you drive, the way you stop and everything. It'll change everything. When you read the Word of God, if you, you can read the Word of God every day, and if your heart is open, you'll say, did not my heart burn within me today as I walk, talk, and fellowship the Son of God as He revealed Himself to me. That is available. It is available for every child of God on the planet who is willing to do something. You knew there had to be a catch, didn't you? You know what the catch is? Live a godly life within His presence. <laughs> yeah, Ezekiel 11.5 says, I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. You can't even have a dirty thought. Matthew 5.28, Whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Dirty mind, filthy mind, you've already lost power with God. God's people still trying to figure out if He's in the room. <laughs> Oh, we're in a mess down here. We need some young people. Come follow. Do live for God. And so, um, you've got to live a godly life. Isn't that biblical? Titus 2.12. Get an instruction manual teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. He's coming again. Could be today. I don't know when. Possibly in Norman's lifetime. Jesus come. I'd be looking for it. Not only looking... I'm living as if it could be today. That's, that's a different kind of Christian. One looking, one living. <laughs> okay, you can practice His presence. You can know the presence of God in your life. So many Christians, when they're talking about meeting the Savior, have to go back 15, 20 years to when they were saved. I met Jesus Christ 25 years ago, but I met the Son of God this morning. 
I met him just a few minutes ago. I understand him better now. I can read his word and it makes more sense to me now. And I don't know about God's people in the 21st century, but I want to know the Lord. I want to know God like no other Christian on the planet. I challenge you to do the same. You can know God like Abraham did. You can know God like the Apostle Paul did. You can know God like David did. You can know God like... Who's that other one? Yeah, Moses did. But it's going to cost you something. If you want to know those guys like, uh, like they knew God, you've got to love Him like those men did. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Remember, as you walk with God, talk with God, talks back to you, you to obey Him, do what He says, go where He wants you to go. Bring your life in total submission to Him. But you can know Him that way. In John 14, 21, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. 1 John 5, 3, This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. They're not unreasonable. He never told you something that you could not do. Walk with God. Walk with God. Get to know Him better. And so, well, okay, hurry up, because he's getting late. Okay, okay. Tongue to myself. Okay, get to know God. If you get to know God like Abraham, I'm mourning you now. He'll put his finger on the thing you love most. Question, what is it that you love more than you love the Son of God? Do you have, do you, you can't serve God and your baby doll. Baby doll? You got a baby doll? A little baby doll? No? You don't have one? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? You, no, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. You're going to serve someone, serve something. Who are you going to serve? You can't serve two. He's got to be first. Colossians 1.18, you already know that, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So if you want to get to know God, I'm telling you, if you, want, you can know God like Abraham did. You've got to love him like that man did. But he's going to put his finger on the thing that you love most. Is God enough or do you need your eyesight too? And before you answer that, you better be ready to lay down your eyes on the altar of sacrifice. Yeah. He says, a faith that I cannot test, I cannot trust. But let me ask you something. Has he ever made a mistake? We're talking about God. He's still kind of kind of like a... Has he, has he ever lied? Has he ever owed you an apology? Has he ever made a mistake? Why then don't you give him your eyes? Well, if I give him my eyes, he may take my eyes. Why don't you... you, you say, we plain. <laughs> we plain. We're just playing. But you can get to know God like Abraham did, but he's going to put his finger on the thing you love most. Maybe that's your daughter. Are you willing to say, God, you are enough, or do you need your daughter too? That's what I learned when my wife, when they cut her aorta. Yeah? And then you can know God like Moses did, but he's going, you don't get a second chance. He spoke, he was, he spoke and, he was this, and he smote the rock, and he was supposed to speak to the rock, and God says, you're a dead man. But you can know God like Moses did, but... He often gives the repentant child of God a second chance. But get to know him like Moses did. Get to know him like the Apostle Paul did. Things are not going to go smoothly until you die and go to heaven. <laughs> and there's so much more. So you can know God. I'm, I'm, just, I'm here to say you can know God. You can know God like Abraham did. You can know God like Moses did. You can know God like the Apostle Paul did. You can know God like George Miller did. You can know God like Hudson Taylor did. You can know God like they did. My question tonight, do you want to know him? I wish I could get you the hunger to know God. You say, preacher, how do you get to know God like no other Christian? Well, you've got to make a decision to spend time with Him in His presence like no other Christian. And that's not enough. 
You got to listen to him as he speaks through your word, through his word, and then you got to be obedient. It's not a compl- it's not complex. See, seven year old got it. Fifty six year old still trying to figure out if Jesus is in the room. You folks remember the story about Mary? She was so very busy running around the room, cleaning the house, washing the dishes, getting things ready for supper. She looked around the room and she saw Jesus sitting at uh, she saw Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word, and she said, Jesus, tell her to get busy and help me. In Luke chapter 10, verse 41, Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Perhaps you're like Martha. Are you so busy today that you have no time for the Son of God? You have no time to walk with Him? You have no time to fellowship with Him? You can see why I'm not very popular anymore. Not very popular anymore. I speak to you in truth and I become your enemy. Isn't that sad? I'm not telling you something you don't know. I've just been able to connect the dots along the way. (laughs) And I can share with you how you can get to know God like no other Christian. And uh, you ought to get up in the morning and say something like this. God is real. God is alive. God lives in me. That's the God of the universe. That's the God who created the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's the God who split the Red Sea. That's the God who raised the dead. That's the God who healed the sick. That God lives in me. That God lives in you today if you're truly saved, you're born again. You can walk, talk, and fellowship with the Lord every day. When you read the Bible, you ought to say something like this, Spirit of God, teach me truth. I've already shared that with you. You have not because you ask not. Spirit of God, teach me truth. I want to know God. I want to know how He thinks. I want to know what He hates. I want to know what He loves. I, know what, I want to know what He wants me to do in fulfilling my Christian responsibilities in this life. If you'll take the time and discipline yourself to read the Word of God every day, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when you're up, when you're down, when you feel good, when you feel bad, if God's children would simply do that day after day after day, then they will say, I know God. I know God better. I know how He thinks. I know how he, what He hates. I know what he loves I know something about God think with me if Jesus is real to you and you would discipline yourself to read the word of God every day and allow him to speak to your heart through his word then no one have to beg and plead with you to go out and tell others about your savior why is that Jesus would be real to you Jesus is real my message today is Jesus is real Jesus is a real person I'm not talking about some force tonight I'm not talking about some feeling I'm not talking about an idea I'm talking about my savior my friend the Lord Jesus Christ the son of God the king of kings and if just this congregation would fall in love with him like no other. <laughs> yeah, no one had to beg and plead for you to be in church. No one had to beg and plead for you to read the Bible. No one had to beg and plead for you to oh, study the Word of God. No one had to beg and plead for you to make the right kind of friends. No one had to beg and plead with you to make the uh, you know to keep your mind pure because God would be real to you. Now the challenge is this: I can't do it for you. I can only say it's, it's a better deal. I'm asking you to make a step of faith. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Romans 1, 17. The apostle Paul said to Joshua, live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In Mark eleven twenty, Jesus said, hey, have faith in me, son. Have faith in God. Here's why. But what you want to do, we're facing the Jordan now. You see the Jordan River? It's overflowing its banks. Looks pretty bad. I mean, you see... And there's giants in the land. Giants over there. There's, there's giants over there. We can't do that. Remember, there was ten said, we can't do it. It can't do it. Don't believe the devil's lies. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do it. And I'm just asking you to do something. I'm asking you to take a step of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to flee him. But you know what you want? You know what you want? You want to see the. You want to make sure that thing splits open first. You, you want to make sure you see what, I've got to see what's ahead of me before I make that first step. 
don't work that way. Don't work that way. You got the, the priest, they had to stick their heel in the Jordan. When that heel hit, amen. Amen. Wow. They were excited. But see, you want to no, you want to see your whole life. It don't work that way. But if you'll take that first step, he'll open that up and he'll, whoa, wow. And then he'll take the next step with the Savior. Wow. And then he'll take another step. Whoa, I ain't never seen nothing like that. Wow. 25 years later, you've been, wow. And you ain't even home yet. <laughs> but you know what? You want to see your whole life. You want 50 feet on either side so that if it gets... <gasps> I ain't doing that. Come on. you got to make... So if you'll take a step... Of, if you'll do this decision... I just, it's a, it's the, the successful Christian life has made one decision after another. It doesn't happen any other way. And if you think that following Christ is done some other way, you're fooling yourself. There has to be a decision... There has to be determination. I'm going to live for Christ. Right? I'm going to follow the Son of God. You discipline yourself to do what you decided. Follow Him like no other Christian. And then you depend upon the Holy Spirit of God that He gave you to accomplish all this in your life. God gets the credit. So, if you'll make a decision to practice His presence by the grace of God, from this point forward, I'm going to practice the presence of God in my life. I'll share with you now what's going to happen. You'll read the Word of God every day. And after a while, you look at the clock and say, Lord, it's getting late. <laughs> I've got to go to work. I've got to go to school. And then you would close the Word of God and say, I can hardly wait to sit down and read the Bible some more. And all day long, you would be talking to the Savior without working at it so hard. And you'd come to the end of the day and say, Oh, Lord, did not my heart burn within me today as I walked, talked, and fellowship the Son of God? And as he talked back to me through his word and through the Spirit of God living in me. And, and you can go to bed at night with your heart burning. And you wake up in the morning with your heart burning with a smile on your face. <laughs> and you say, no Christian can live that way. I'm here to say that you can. You can live that way. And you ought to be living that way. Don't live any other way. What other way do you want to live? Do you want to live in the flesh? Do you want to walk around all day long under the flesh? Do you want to walk all day long uh, walk around all day long with thoughts of anger, envy, jealousy, and lust. Is that the way you folks want to live for Christ? I'm telling you, unsaved folks live like that. Choose to live a different sort of life. Don't you want to live in such a way that Jesus is real to you? Huh? Don't you want to live in such a way that His Word is real to you? Don't you want His Word to burn in your heart because He talks to you, because He opens to His Word? <laughs> By God's grace... Because Stephen's not going to leave any other way. I'm telling you, it's a better deal. So the Bible's a book about your Savior and practice His presence. Thank you for... Oh, man, I love you. Thank you for coming out, spending this extra time and extra time in the family. And Love you. Get to know Him like no other. <laughs>